Uh, we're about to start a new series called Fix Your Thoughts. Fix Your Thoughts. Many times the problems that we think we have with our lives are actually problems with our thoughts. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about our thoughts. We're going to talk about anxious thoughts, critical thoughts, self-destructive thoughts. But today I want to talk about overcoming negative thoughts. Just in general, overcoming negative thoughts. Thought. So I was on vacation recently, and me and my wife, we went to Yellowstone National Park, and it was beautiful. I'd never been there before, and I'll be honest, when we drove in the park like a little boy, I prayed to heaven. I said, God, please help me to see a bear. I really want to see a bear. I really, really want to see a bear. Like, I've never seen a bear in the wild. So we're driving through the park, and it's, it's beautiful everywhere you look. But because there was still snow on the ground at some places, certain parts of the park were not open yet. I remember at one point, we drove down this road. It turned out the place we wanted to go, the road was closed. And in that moment, I'll be honest with you, just being real, I started to think some negative thoughts. I thought, man, that's not fair. The road's closed. I wanted to go that way. Now I've got to backtrack. I'll never get to see that part of the park. And I was upset in that moment. I had these negative thoughts going through my head. Have you ever been there where you started to think negative thoughts like this? It turned out, you know, we turned around, we went back the way we came. And going back the way we came, I saw not one, but two bears. Yeah. And if, if you follow my social media, because you like me, um, we, we saw this mama grizzly bear with like three little baby bears. It was the cutest, most awesome thing ever. And here I was complaining, thinking that, you know, my life was hard and unfair, and God was in the middle of answering my prayers. Proverbs 4.23 says, you've got to carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. You are the narrator of your life. And you get to decide if your life story is an epic adventure or a tragic horror story. And you determine that based on the kind of thoughts that you think. Your thoughts will become your functional reality. Psychologists describe some of the common negative thinking patterns that we experience. I want to give you a couple examples. One uh, negative thinking pattern is called all or nothing thinking. Uh, it's like saying, Mondays are always terrible. Nobody cares about me. You always leave your clothes on the floor, right? Always and never are words that generally aren't good for relationships, and they're usually not good for your thoughts. Another thought pattern is called overgeneralizing, thinking that a one-time event is part of a, a greater pattern. Like, you know, um, that one guy, he let me down, and so all men are untrustworthy. Or, you know, one Christian was mean to me, so all Christians are mean. That's overgeneralizing. Like, sometimes I send out an email to our church, and it'll go out to like 3,000 plus people. And usually, whenever I send one of these emails out, I'll get like two or three replies that are basically hate mail. Like, you can uh, go take this email and stick it where the sun don't shine. And I'm like, what the? What's going on? Like, these people, like, they, they're mean. It'd be so easy for me to start overgeneralizing in that moment. Like, my whole church hates me, and nobody wants my stupid email. And, and, but I would say if only three out of 3,000 people hate you, you're doing really good. Yeah. Amen? 
Another negative pattern is called having a mental filter. And this is where you only see the negative parts of a situation. Your brain filters out all the positive things. You know, like you have someone in your family who might be like that. It's Thanksgiving dinner, but all she can think about is the turkey's dry. He got a new car, but all he's thinking about is now his registration is going to cost more. It's just this negative thinking. There are some Christians like that. They come to church with a mental filter. All they see is the negative. I don't like that music. The coffee's too strong. There's no such thing as coffee that's too strong, in my opinion. Did you see any of the good things, or are are you only looking at the negative things? So, do any of us do any of us struggle with negative thinking ever, or is it just me? Anybody? It's not negative to admit it. You can admit it. Some people sound like Eeyore. You know, (laughs) life is so hard. Nobody cares about me. I'm tired. I'm broke. I'm so busy. The world's a terrible place, right? Like, like Eeyore. And the thing with negative thinking is that it leads to things like anxiety and depression and anger and bitterness. Now, some people, I'll I'll just throw this disclaimer in. Some people experience depression because of, you know, chemical imbalances and hormonal reasons. And I have no problem with people taking medication. There are some people I wish would take medication. (laughs) But a lot of the depression and anxiety that we wrestle with is the slow buildup, the accumulation of negative thoughts in our minds. And we don't even notice it building up until it's too late. It's like a cancer growing inside of us. We don't feel that cancer growing in the early stages until something is suddenly really wrong. Most people who end up anxious and depressed, it comes on gradually and then all of a sudden. So we have to fix our thoughts. We have to fix our thoughts. Jesus wants to change your pattern of thinking and give you a new pattern, amen? That's why Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it's about the pattern. If you think negative thoughts, you'll become a negative person. But if you think like God, you'll become like Jesus Christ. I don't know, what about you? Does anyone here say, I wanna be a negative person? No, nobody? Okay, does anyone say, I wanna be like Jesus Christ? Come on, give God praise if you wanna be like Jesus. It's about our pattern of thinking. We have to fix our thoughts. So we wanna get ourselves thinking like God so we can be like Jesus. Man, if you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you some things that will help you to do that. Here's the first thing, you have to fix your focus. Say, fix your focus. Okay, so occasionally um, my phone will signal me that it's ready for a software update. And I'll download the software update and, you know, I'll enjoy some of the new features that come out when a new operating system comes out for my phone. And, and I've had these times where I'm sitting on the couch and I'm playing with my phone and Amy will look over at me on my phone and, and, and she'll say like, oh, how, how did you do that? My phone can't do that. And she's not as techy as me. So, so I was like, uh, honey, you got to update your software. Like she has the same phone as me practically. It's powered up, but it can't do the things that that my phone can do because it needs a software update. And there are some Christians that they love the same God. They have the same spirit inside of them. So they've got power. They have the same brain. They have the same hardware. 
but they haven't experienced a system update yet, so their thoughts are not yet operating the way that God intended. If that's you, you need a system update. There's a system update available for your thoughts, amen? You need this system update. I'll show you what it looks like. It's like for your brain, but it looks like the update on your phone. Um, some of you, right, this is what you need, the Philippians 4.8 update. It's known to fix an issue where some people are depressed and only see impending doom. Yeah, it fixes an issue with judgmental and critical thinking. Yeah, yeah, it fixes self-destructive thought patterns that cause pain. This is the update you need. I love the part that says, for more info, see the Bible. Yes, it's the Philippians 4.8 update. If you struggle with stinking thinking, you need this update. Philippians 4.8 says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So to fix can mean to focus on, to hold steady, to lock onto. You will likely become whatever you fix your focus on. It's like the difference between a hummingbird and a vulture. A hummingbird goes out looking for sweet nectar, and so what does it find? Sweet things. A vulture goes out looking for decaying flesh, so what does it find? Dead things. You will likely find whatever you fix your focus on. If you decide to look for what's good in life, you'll find the good. If you decide to always look for what's bad about any given situation, you'll find the bad. And some people would say, I never really thought about my thoughts. Well, you need to, because I would explain that nature abhors a vacuum. And if you don't decide in advance to fill your brain with godly positive thoughts, your human nature will be more than happy to revert to its default setting, which is looking for what's negative. Whenever Christians talk about positive thinking, I'll admit there's a part of me that just gets a little bit nervous. And I worry sometimes as a pastor that it could sound like we're promoting uh, new ageism or mysticism or the same kinds of things you hear from Eastern religious ideas like karma, uh, that if I put out positive vibes into the universe, I'll attract positive things into my life. You'll hear Oprah talking about this when she talks about the book, The Secret. And that's not the way it works. You don't attract positive things into your life by putting positive vibes into the universe. You do receive God's gift of grace by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. That's not the way it works though. Positive thinking was not invented by new age, pagans, humanists, Hindus, or Buddhists. Those are all false religions concocted by Satan. And the devil has never had an original idea. Do you realize that? All of his most effective strategies to deceive humans come through twisting God's good ideas. So here's an example. Pornography is the devil twisting God's gift of sex between a man and a woman in marriage. He didn't invent sex. God invented sex. He just twisted the idea. Positive thinking was originally God's idea. He teaches us how to think the right way throughout all of Scripture. 
And we see that when we read in Philippians 4, 8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. For lack of better words, right, that sounds very positive. Now, I I love what it says. Notice that it says on what is true, on what is right. God does not want us just thinking about any old thing that makes us feel good. He wants us to think about what is true, what is right. And you know where we learn such things? Through the Bible. Through the Bible. Um, Today there's a problem in Christianity. I think some of us might be more influenced by humanism and Eastern religion and popular culture than we even realize especially if we haven't read God's word. So I'll hear Christians sometimes saying seemingly positive things that are not actually biblically true. I'll give you some examples. Like I heard some Christians at a funeral recently and one of them said, well, you know, heaven gains another angel. And that's positive, but it's not biblical, right? That's not where angels come from, is it, right? You can be positive, but also be positively wrong. Bible does say in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will never die. So when a loved one dies, I can celebrate if their name was written in the book of life, that they'll be with Jesus forever, that they are in a better place. That is not just positive. It's also right. Right. I'll, I'll hear Christians say things like this, like everything happens for a reason. Okay, that's positive, but it's not true. Some things happen because people have free will and they occasionally choose to do evil things. So if you just think positive thoughts that aren't true, those positive thoughts will only be as helpful as a a cloud of smoke. You can't even grasp it. You can't hold on to it. Romans 8 does say that God works all things together for good for those who love him. That's positive and true, right? It's hopeful and true, not so much better. So you gotta make sure that when you think positive thoughts, that they're pure, as Philippians 4.8 says. They're not corrupted. They're honorable and lovely, admirable, excellent thoughts. And as you study God's word, you'll find so many excellent things to fix your focus on. For example, God says in his word that you are called and chosen by him, that Jesus Christ died and rose again for you, that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to live for Christ, that God is your provider. He's your defender. He is your source. He's worthy of praise. See, we can fix our thoughts on things like that and we can give God praise. Now here's the thing, even though you decide to fix your focus on what is true, occasionally we all get focus drift and we'll start having moments where we slip back into our old habits and we'll start thinking about negative things. So this is the second thing. The first thing was fix your focus. The second thing is this, you gotta fix your focus. And you're like, you already said that. I know, I already said that. But I mean something different this time. I mean, to fix your focus, in this sense, you gotta repair it. You've gotta correct it. You have to restore it back. You gotta fix it back to the where it's supposed to be. You gotta readjust it. I love how Philippians 4, 9, the next verse, the apostle Paul wrote, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You gotta keep putting it into practice, practice, 
practice. It makes perfect. Practice fixing your thoughts on what is true. And then the God of peace will lead you into the peace of God. It's not a one-time decision to fix your focus. It's an ongoing decision to fix your focus. And at times, you're going to get off track. We all do. I do. You will get off track. So you've got to fix your focus. And in those moments when you start getting negative again, you can say, wait, wait, um, stop. I need to fix my focus right now. I've got to train my brain to get back where it's supposed to be on what is admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. You do, you have to train your brain. Because when you're under stress, when you're emotional, your thoughts will lean towards the positive or the negative based on how you've trained your mind to think. So you gotta train yourself, and I wanna give you now practically four steps, my top four steps to overcoming negative thoughts. To get practical, these are things you can actually do. It does take practice, and you can repeat these steps, which will train your brain to think the way that God wants you to think, especially when you're tempted to get negative. Here's the first uh, thing I wanna talk about. Number four, run a self-diagnostic. Run a self-diagnostic. You're thinking negative thoughts. Well, it makes me think about how sometimes your car starts making weird noises, and so you look at the dashboard for a warning signal that something is wrong with your engine. Well, when you start to think negative thoughts with your brain, you gotta look for the warning signals that there could be something wrong with your engine. Run a self-diagnostic. I think this is important. So ask yourself questions like this. Am I just tired right now? Like sometimes when we get tired, we start to think all kinds of negative thoughts. Last week I started getting really upset about something, I'll be honest, and then I took a nap. And when I woke up, I felt so much better. I was like, why was I even mad about that? It doesn't matter, right? A nap is so much cheaper than counseling. You might just need a nap. Or or I'll ask myself this, honestly, am I hungry? I might just be hungry, which makes me hangry. You've seen so many, like little babies crying, their brains out, mom pulls out some puffy snacks and that little demon child turns into a sweet cherub. (laughs) You might just be hangry. Think about the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness complaining about God. We have nothing to eat. Are you hungry? You might need a snack. Give those boys a snack. Ask yourself this, am I just stressed out right now? If I'm stressed out, it can cause me to start being negative, right? So maybe I need to go for a walk or, or work out or do something. If you're married, you can get with your spouse and find some ways to relieve stress. <laughs> do a self-diagnostic. Number three, purge negative influences. Amen. This is your homework from this Sunday is to consider the top three sources of negativity in your life. Here are some common ones. One is social media. Research shows that the more time we spend on social media, actually the more likely we are to be, to be depressed, to become depressed. Um, and it's because of things like comparison. You know, you'll be feeling pretty good about your life and then you start comparing your real life to someone else's highlight reel. 
So you might have to close out social media for a while. One is watching the news. Research shows, it's factually proving that the more that you watch the news, the more likely you are to become angry and anxious and sad. You might have to just turn off the news. I know a lot of you have told me, I stopped watching the news altogether. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm happy. (laughs) Some of you might have some negative people in your life who are just always negative. I think about Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, don't befriend angry people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Bad company corrupts good character. And if you hang out, with negative Nancy, you will be more likely to become negative yourself. So you might have to close the app and turn off the news and turn down some invitations to hang out with negative people. Number two, challenge negative thoughts. I'm counting down here. Challenge negative thoughts. You might occasionally think some things that are whacked. And one thing I've learned is just because I think it does not make it true. Ask yourself, when you start thinking negative thoughts, is this real life? Am I overgeneralizing? Will this even matter in three years, or even in three weeks, or even in three days? Or am I just being negative? 2 Corinthians 10 verse five, it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, your thoughts are not in control of you. You are in control of your thoughts. You can take every thought captive. That means you put it in a headlock and give it a noogie, right? It's like, no, I'm not going to think negative thoughts. You will submit to Christ. Number one, and this is the best one, give thanks. If you start thinking negative thoughts, the best thing you can do is find something to be grateful for. I believe that in every situation, you can find something to be grateful for. And listen, church, it's impossible to be grateful and negative at the same time. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So how can I feel sorry for myself when I'm thinking about all the good things in my life? When negative thoughts creep into your mind, ask yourself, what is at least one good thing about my life. What is one good thing about my situation? I promise that if you really look, you can find something. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. You can find something that is good. If you get a speeding ticket, you could spend the next couple of days thinking about the money that you lost, or you can give thanks that you have a car and you're not walking to work. If your boss is a jerk, You can dread going to work, or you can give thanks you have a job, right? If your husband makes terrible smells, you can complain about your husband, or you can give thanks that sometimes he takes the garbage out. So he makes bad smells, but he also takes them out. Right? If your kids are exhausting sometimes, you can complain about how hard it is to be a parent, or you can give thanks that you have kids. Right? A, a roof that's leaking is better than having no roof over your head. Right? You might have a headache, but at least you don't have hemorrhoids too. Find something to give thanks for. 
What are you grateful for? Right now, just think about like, what are you grateful for? Maybe you came to church today to be reminded there's something to give thanks for. What are you thankful for? So here, I'm gonna close by addressing two of the biggest concerns I think people will have with a message like this. Okay, here's the first concern. Pastor, but I'm around a lot of negative people and I can't get away from them, so what should I do? And so here's where I wanna equip you to do ministry, not just be ministered to. So you will find yourself around negative people at times, and maybe you can't get away from them, and you can't always just take out your Generation Church app and pull up this sermon and be like, here, listen to this sermon. You can't always do that. Okay, but you can do some things, and you have to be careful if you're around negative people, because if you're not on guard, like Proverbs says, guard your thoughts. If you're not on guard, those negative thoughts can start to creep into your own mind, can't they? So here's some things you can do. The first, I would say, don't just go with the flow. We sometimes have this pattern, this habit of going with the flow because none of us like to be confrontational. So when someone's like, man, our boss is a jerk, it's so easy to be like, yeah. (laughs) It's so hot outside, isn't it? Yeah. Don't just go with the flow. Instead, I would say challenge those negative thoughts. Like, I know you think our boss is a jerk, but you don't know what he's dealing with. He might be doing the best that he can. I know it's hot outside, but where I used to live, we never saw the sun and I had to shovel snow all the time. I'm not just challenging those thoughts, but I'm being grateful for the good things in my life. And you'll find that if you do this, it will automatically start to purge some of the negative influences from your life. Because some of the most negative people will stop wanting to be around you. They'll say, we can't be around her. We can't have a good gripe session when she's around. But then what's awesome is you'll also start to attract some people to you. They'll say, I love being around you because you're so positive. Why are you so positive all the time? And then you'll get to tell them, yeah, but I wasn't always this way until I met God and Jesus changed me. And when he changed me, it changed the way I see life. That's something we all deal with. Here's another big concern. A big concern, people will say, Pastor, I wanna be more positive. I wanna fix my focus on what's excellent and worthy of praise, but sometimes I just get stuck in a funk. I'm just stuck, I get stuck. And next thing you know, I feel depressed or I feel anxious, I feel overwhelmed. So first I would say, remember to use your tools, right? Do a self-diagnostic. Do you need to take a break from social media? Have you challenged your negative thoughts? Have you thought of things to be grateful for? And some people would say, yeah, I tried all that, but it's not working. I'm stuck. And the truth is that sometimes we all get stuck. So here's the last thing. If you get stuck, and sometimes you will, this is where you need to use your emergency override. Okay, you gotta use your emergency override. On my laptop, there's a power button. And if the system freezes up, if it crashes on me, what do we all do? Hold down the power button and do a hard reset. It's a physical override to a faulty software system glitch. Well, guess what? You have a physical override system. It's right here. Your mouth. It's your mouth. 
Have you heard the story? There was a dad who took his toddler to the grocery store and the little guy was crying and having a really hard time. And so the dad's there pushing the cart, talking, they're there, Bobby. It'll be okay, Bobby. Don't cry, Bobby. It's okay, Bobby. And this woman stopped him. She says, sir, I really admire. It's so sweet how, how patient you are with little Bobby. And he said, ma'am, I'm Bobby. <laughs> right, like, sometimes you gotta encourage yourself. Sometimes you gotta talk to yourself. That's why, that's why Psalm 109 says, with my mouth, I will thank the Lord profusely. I will praise him in the presence of many, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from the condemner of his soul. Okay. So, so I'm the condemned one sometimes. Sometimes we're the condemned one. There's a condemner. This, this psalm, Psalm 109, actually uses the, the Hebrew name for Satan, the accuser, the condemner of God's people. And the enemy wants to accuse you. He wants to put negative thoughts in your mind. He wants to discourage you with depression and anxiety. But then what does Psalm say? I'm going to praise the Lord with my mouth. I will thank him profusely, okay? Because your mouth is powerful. Your mouth is powerful. That's why we sing worship songs. We don't just read the lyrics and think about them. Your mouth is powerful and you can, your mouth can actually override your thoughts. It can override and overwrite your thoughts. You can actually replace negative thoughts with honorable, pure, lovely thoughts by speaking those things with your mouth. Like, how does that work? Or how, how do you do that? Well, let, let's say you get stuck and you just, keep, you just keep thinking negative thoughts. You're like, well, I just keep seeing the worst in people. Everyone I see is like, I just see the worst. I just assume they're gonna hurt me. No, you gotta start to speak the right way. You gotta use your emergency override. You gotta physically override the negative thoughts by activating your mouth and just talk different. Like, okay, I don't even think it yet, but I'm saying it. I love people because Christ loved me first. I keep thinking my situation is hopeless. Okay, well, I'm gonna use my mouth and I'm gonna speak the right way. No, 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 God has a plan to give me a hope and a future. I can't get over these thoughts that I'm alone. I'm always gonna be alone. No, I'm gonna use my mouth and declare God will never leave me nor forsake me. See, when I change the way I talk, it changes the way I think, which changes the way I feel. I can start to talk differently. I'm blessed. My life is awesome. People like me. I'm good looking. God is on my side. And next thing you know, I start to think that way. It changes the way I think. I'm not just overriding my thoughts, but I'm overriding them with godly thoughts. Next thing you know, you're not just saying God is good, but you're worshiping him and feeling confident because he is with you. You're not just talking about loving people, but you're thinking about ways to show love to people. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you set your thoughts on Jesus Christ. Amen. 
But here's the thing, you can't be transformed in your thoughts until you're transformed in your spirit. And the way we're transformed in our spirit is by surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. And you say, I'm not in control of my life any longer. I can't win on my own. I can't save myself. I can't work my way out of the spiritual debt that I've accumulated through sins and by doing wrong. I need a savior to save me. I need a king to be in control of my life. I need Jesus to be my Lord. And when you believe that, when you say that, when you think that, we become saved by believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rising again, and by putting our trust in him to save us, we're saved. We're transformed spiritually, and that's the first step in being transformed in all things, in our thoughts, in our actions. It's by surrendering our lives to Jesus. And so I want to give everyone a chance to do that at our church right now. Let's just bow our heads really quick. Just close your eyes to have a moment of privacy between you and God. And maybe you're in Ahwatukee right now. Maybe you're in Mesa or watching online even. And you'd say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be transformed in every way from the inside out. I need his forgiveness. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, then I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me and say, God, I need you. I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. I'm trusting Jesus to save me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for always being with me. I'm going to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen.